Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Dr. Eddie Portnoy, who is the senior researcher and the exhibition curator at the YIVO Institute for Jewish Research in New York City, a contributing editor at the Forward and Tablet Magazine. He's the author of the book Bad Rabbi and Other Strange but True Stories from the Yiddish Press, published in 2017 by Stanford, Stanford University Press. Eddie, thanks for taking time to talk. Thanks for having me. So you are a, uh, a yes? No, no, I was going to say, I, I, I don't want to consider you among the bad rabbis. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're one of the good ones. <laughs> um, uh, one of your areas of expertise is in Jewish uh, popular culture, looking at sports and theater and press and beyond. And so there's a phenomenon that I'd like to look at uh, and, and, and learn about from you on Jewish psychics and clairvoyance. Uh, so I guess to start historically, um, how is the Jewish tradition related to such a phenomenon? So... Traditionally, it's not permitted. Uh, in Dvarim uh, Yudches, uh, Deuteronomy, it uh, says explicitly that Jews are not to act as or consort with uh, wizards, witches, enchanters. Uh, they're especially not to engage in uh, necromancy, which is uh, uh, contacting the dead. In fact, if you do that, if you're caught doing that, you... Uh, Penalty is that you get the death penalty. Mm -hmm. You're put to death. Um, so if you you know want to speak to the dead, you have to be dead. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, so you know it says explicitly that you're not permitted to you know engage in this, these activities. Uh, it's you know very anti Harry Potterish. Mm -hmm. um, you know no wizards, no witches. They're they're against that stuff. Uh, however, uh, there is always a component of Jewish law that certain Jews don't abide by. Uh, and this is one of them. And obviously not all Jews engage in this sort of thing, but from, you know, ancient times until today, you have Jews who either work as psychics and clairvoyants uh, or who go to them. Obviously, you have far more who go to them, who, who you know, you know use, their, use their services. Uh, but uh, in my own work, I've discovered all kinds of activities uh, on the part of Jewish psychics and the sort of sweet spot of, of my historical period is from the 1880s uh, up until about World War II. Uh, but, you know, one example of a text that I found is, um, it's called Chokh uh, Masayad or Chokh Matayad. Um, it's a palm reading manual. Uh, it's in Yiddish and Hebrew. It was published in 1799. And it's actually a reprint of a manuscript that was published in something like the 16th century. Mm. And so these things have been going on forever. And it's, it, this is a manual that explains how to read poems uh, and, you know, how to tell people's futures wow. you know, by doing this. Yeah, so interesting. So what sort of extrasensory activities do we see Jews participating in? So there are 
There's a wide array of them. Yeah. Uh, and I can, you know, talk about certain, certain psychics who, and clairvoyants who have been, you know, pretty active. Uh, one of them is a man by the name of uh, Naftali Hertz Imber. Uh, it's a name you may recognize. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a bit as to why. Uh, but he was uh, born in uh, a shtetl called Zlochev, which is now in Poland. And he uh, uh, was brought up in a Hasidic family. He was known to be a Tal- Talmudic prodigy. Uh, he left home in his late teens. He went to Palestine in the early 1880s. He became the sec- secretary uh, for an English Lord Oliphant. And he um, eventually made his way to the United States in the 1890s. Once in the United States, he began to work as a uh, professional clairvoyant. He called himself the Mahatma. He would dress in white robes and travel around the country uh, making predictions. And some of his predictions are pretty interesting. So um, he, in 1896, and this is the prediction that sort of cemented his his popularity and and, and uh, reputation as a, as a good psychic. In 1896, he uh, warned warned people to stay away from Paris because something terrible was going to happen there. And about two months after he made this prediction, a huge fire broke out in Paris. It burned many city blocks, and hundreds of people were killed. And so, you know this which is one of the things he claimed. He also, another one of his predictions was that um, uh, he said that this was in, I think, 1898. He said that uh, uh, a state of Jews will be born of violence in the land of Israel. He also said that um, uh, in the future, uh, people will get power. People will power their homes using light from the sun. And this is in the 1890s. This right. is really, yeah. uh, you know, pretty pretty good right. pre- pretty good predictions. Yeah. Uh, he also claimed that California wines would become some of the best in the world. <laughs> he was also an alcoholic, uh-huh. so he loved drinking, yeah. and um, yeah, he was he had no choice. He was an al- he he was a drunk. Right. Uh, and so you know. But these predictions were, they came true. He also made a number of predictions that weren't accurate. Um, You know, one of the interesting things is that when I first began researching this about 10 years ago, uh, he he claimed that in 2010, a civil war, a new civil war would break out in the United States. Mm -hmm. And when I first read that 10 years ago, I thought that's, you know, that's a wrong prediction. That's, that's crazy. But You know, in today's current yeah. climate, it's not that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Naftali Hertz-Imber is actually a relatively famous guy. There have been a number of biographies written about him. Mm-hmm. None of those biographies have any information about him working as a psychic mm-hmm. uh, because I think that people were embarrassed by this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is best known as the author of Hatikva. Mm. Uh, he wrote the poem that became the Israeli national anthem. Oh, wow. And yeah. so uh, that, this is what he's best known for. So who, who, well, who are the types of Jews, 20th, 19th century, who want to participate in such activity? Is it more secular? Is it more religious? Like It's everyone. Yeah. It's everyone. So uh, just another example, in New York, in the you know first two decades of the 20th century, yeah. there was a very popular psychic uh, by the name of Professor Abraham Hockman. Uh-huh. And he had a house on Rivington Street in the Lower East Side. 
and it was well known that uh, his one of his specialties was finding missing husbands, mm-hmm. uh, you know, runaway husbands. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, according to the newspapers, every day outside of uh, his apartment, there were, there were women lined up out on his outside his stoop, waiting, you know, waiting for him to open so he could help them find, you know, their missing husbands. Uh, so these were, you know, just sort of average Jews in the Lower East Side who, you know, needed help solving some kind of problem. Yeah. You know, it could have been a missing husband, it could have been a missing child, it could yeah. have been, you know, you know, they needed a job. It, yeah. There are all kinds of reasons why right. people go to uh, go to psychics. Mm. Uh, you know, they want to know what's going to be, yeah. and if this person, uh, if they perceive this person as helping them. Yeah. You know they're willing to pay, and they yeah. and they pay and they go. They're also and, and it was the Lower East Side was littered with the Jewish psychics. I don't know if you've ever been to the uh, uh, the Lower East Side Tenement Museum, but uh, it's this fantastic museum in the Lower East Side that you know shows what life was like in, in a tenement in the early 20th century. Yeah. Uh, when they were uh, uh, excavating uh, their building on the on the Lower East Side, they found flyers yeah. for a psychic. A woman by the name of Dora Meltzer, who was just a local psychic who right. lived in the building, right? And it was, you know, a relatively common thing. Yeah. Um, as far as you know, religious people go, you know, you always had mm-hmm. Balei Shem, mm-hmm. you know, people mm-hmm. who were writing amulets, right. you know, this kind of thing, yes. like crosses the line into traditional Jewish life. Right. There was in uh, in Poland in the 1930s. There was uh, a rabbi by the name of Ephraim Blitman who was known as um, you know, the clairvoyant rabbi. Mm-hmm. And he, mm-hmm. in the press, almost every year, he makes yeah. predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, like most psychics, uh, he gets about half of them right. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh-huh. And what about some, some of these new age Kabbalists today who are making a lot of money? Is this something they're engaging with as well? You know what? That I don't know. I don't okay. know if, I mean, Kabbalah is part of this. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if contemporary psychics are, you know, or contemporary yeah. Kabbalists. Yeah. Are claiming okay. to be able to tell the future, okay. and for those who don't believe in this stuff or completely reject it, how can they understand the value of what someone is paying for here? Well, you know, pe- you know, people see themselves as getting a service. Yeah. Uh, if you know, it, it provides them with a kind of knowledge. Right. It may or not be, may or may not be accurate. Uh-huh. Uh, it provides them with a kind of confidence, mm-hmm. uh, and this is the reason that people go to right these you know purveyors of yeah. uh, of you know these people. Yeah. With psychic abilities or clairvoyance, right. they, they they feel like they they can provide them with something that they're not able to do on their own. Yeah, and so uh, it, it's also fun. Yeah, it's it's right. it's fascinating. It's yeah. uh, you know if if you can go to a person mm-hmm. who you know has you know first of all claims to have special right. insight into you, and they're actually able to pull something out that's surprising. Right. that's that's really engaging. That's right. really that that's really amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it may just be pure luck. Right. Uh, it probably is. Right. <laughs> but uh, okay. So last uh, last question, I think. How how what are some examples of how the nature of what people want to know is tied to the zeitgeist of the time? Like, can you think of uh, different eras and what type of uh, future clarity people are craving and how that's connected to current events. I mean, everyone would love yeah. to be able to tell the future, right? That's, you know, you, right. you'd, you'd love, to, you know, people would love to be able to, you know, know what the, you know, next great, you yeah. know, IPO is or, right. or, you know, what right. bet they can make on, you know, on what horse or, or, right. or, you know, yeah. anything like that. Right. That's, oh, so it was a financial motive. There's, yeah. there's frequently a financial motive. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a big part of this. Right. 
um, you know, Abraham Hockman, the, the man that I mentioned before on the Lower East Side, he was also well known for, uh, for you know, being, being good at picking horses at the track. Yeah. Uh, you know, he may have had, you know, some sort of right. inside information. Right. It's right. not really clear. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, people are, you know, constantly dream about, you know, being able to sort of reach into the future and, and, and know what's going to happen. It, it gives, yeah. it gives you, it gives you a jump yeah. on, on reality. Right. Um, you know, is that, you know, real life? Right. No. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> but people, you know, but people would yeah. like that. You, you know, so you did your doctorate at JTS and I, and I think of, um, uh, something Heschel would write about was that the prophetic experience was less about future telling or it was intended to be and was intended to be a channel between people and God. Right. To represent God to the people, represent people to God and kind of distancing this role of like future prediction. Right. And I wonder like what would you say is like the moral or religious case against against wanting to know the future? Well, the I mean, I'm not sure if there's – that's an interesting question. Uh, you – I'm not sure there's, you know, it. That's almost like a moot question because you can't really know the future. Right. But right. Uh, but you know, as far as um, you know, as being able to uh, uh, you know have a moral case, yeah. it's just it's it's I don't. You know, that's interesting. People always say that. I mean, this is this doesn't really have to do with the future, but you know, people always say that if they could go back in time, they would kill Hitler. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's like, a, it's, it's one of these fantasies yeah. that, you know, if you could do it, right. you know, you would, you know, would you, yeah. and, and how would that alter the course of history? Yeah, right. Um, you know, the same thing sort of exists, yeah. I guess, for the future in a theoretical yeah. sense, you know, if you knew your future, right. would you follow that path? Right. Um, you know, what if that, you know, yeah. what if the future that you were offered, yeah. you know, wasn't necessarily that good? Would you alter it? How would that change everything mm-hmm. else? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of one of these theoretical questions that's, you know, almost impossible to answer, yeah. you know, dives into the realm of fantasy. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's really, in a way, what a lot of science fiction is about. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. So if you haven't read Bad Rabbi, make sure to pick it up.